We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let me let me turn your day for you, oh, Vince. Please. Are you ready for rapid fire? It's, I'm so pumped that it's just rapid fire. Like I show up, boom! I know. We're doing rapid fire. That's part of the day, right? This is Jump fantastic. right into it. And it was a very busy day in the land of of sports. So there's plenty to talk about. That's there's for a sure. lot of things, a lot yes. of things going on. First off, though, shout out Josh from Alabama. He said I met him at the Notre Dame women's game yesterday. He came oh, okay. up and introduced himself. He, uh, he said he's originally from Chicago, but he had a little Alabama draw to him. And uh, he said he's a regular listener of the show, complimented you and Jesse. And uh, so just wanted to say uh, thanks nice. for listening, Josh, and, and coming up. Good meeting you yesterday. That's awesome. So, I love when right. we get to meet people. I know. I know. It's funny. And I, I could be looking way too far into this, but like when I go to basketball games or just walking around in general and like, People kind of stare at you and they're like, <laughs> and they kind of give you a little side eye and they're uh-huh. not, you know what I mean? And I'm like, I just want to be like Irish breakdown. I'm like, <laughs> it's like, you know, because <laughs> they're not sure. They're not quite sure. And I'm, if I'm not wearing like Irish breakdown stuff or whatever, you know, but I also don't want to assume that that's why they're giving me the side eye. Like it could be just like, look at that doofus or something like that. You know, right. they, could, they, they could be thinking that about me too, you know? DK says it's preposterous that we're starting rapid fire at 624. I mean, that's what happens. I had a whole different show planned for today. And then I found out about the Ethan Long commit at five o'clock. And so the first part of the show became, you know, we don't always do recruiting stuff. I know. On IB Nation. It's a nice little curveball. It's a little different, you know. It's good to have Ryan on. We need to have him on more often. But he's got all those kids there at his house. And he's got, you know, like. (laughs) 530 bedtimes and <laughs> everything else. So, all right, fill in the blank. It's blank that Joe Alt, Xavier Watts, Audric Estime, and Sam Hartman are included in ESPN's list of the top 100 college football players this season. I will say it is interesting. Uh, and I mean interesting in a, a positive way and in a negative. Like, how do you not have Howard Cross a part of this particular crowd? Uh, in my opinion, you know, and, and I realize, you know, Howard Cross does not meet the classic definition of a defensive lineman, right? You know, the big, you know, whatever, but like he was super productive. Like, I'm surprised that he was not on this list. And I guess at the same time, surprised that Sam Hartman is on the list. I am, and Hartman barely made it. <laughs> he was 99, 99, wasn't he? Yeah, that's right. He yeah, just got in there i mean you're absolutely right though like when you think about it how do you not have howard cross on the list he's he led all interior defensive linemen in tackles this season and you you know you don't see defensive tackles you don't see nose guards having the kind of tackle production that he had in a year and i get it you know he's not probably rated higher in terms of the draft and all that different kind of stuff, but neither is Hartman. You know, there's yeah. a million other quarterbacks rated ahead of Hartman in this complete thing. Complete so. afterthought. Every time I've seen people talking about quarterbacks in the draft, his name doesn't even come up. Yeah. Doesn't even come up. Quite frankly, I was shocked that it's no offense to Hartman, but I was shocked right. that he ends up in the top 100, you know, 
again, you know, like you can go to what, you know, like you've kind of been trumpeting with the fact that the offense ended up doing what it did and all that kind of stuff with, you know, with the scoring and the yards and all that kind of stuff. But in the three big games, you know, the, the production I mean, wasn't really there, you know, it is but what it is Howard Cross. Like if you looked at the two of them and I realize it's not like an either or situation for me, ESPN's perspective but if you looked at the two of them howard cross was much more consistent across oh, yeah. the board than hartman was oh so. there yeah, there's no doubt there's no doubt i mean there's there are plenty of people out there that that think that the the quarterbacks that were on the roster not named sam hartman could have done what sam hartman did uh you know in this offense and yeah. there there's there's a bit of a case to be made for that right i don't know that i would completely agree with it but it's a but it is a it is an argument I would listen to. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I do feel that way, especially, you know, seeing the way that 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 Steve operated the offense in the bowl game. Now, the Steve Angeli that we saw operate the offense in the bowl game is a completely different Steve Angeli than we saw at the beginning of the year. So I mean, that does have to be taken into account, right? Would he have been as successful as he was, you know, early on and in the middle of the season as he was, you know, in the final game? Mm-hmm. I think I think there's an argument there as well. Uh, but, you know, did Sam Hartman take this team to the next level? I, I don't, I, I think we can safely say he did not. They took a step, but not, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I'm surprised. Yeah, it's weird because, again, just in terms of numbers and that kind of thing, over the span of a 12-game season, he technically, you know, statistically took it to another level. But again, right, big valleys in games that matter as opposed to games you're supposed yeah. to win. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, and he balled out in some of those good on paper. Isn't yeah. that a movie or a yeah. show or something? Good on paper. Well, <laughs> like, you know, that's <laughs> yeah, no, I I, but I mean I do think it's significant that Notre Dame finds itself in the company of teams like, like Alabama had the most in the top 100 with eight. And then you've got teams like Michigan and Texas to playoff teams, obviously. And then Georgia and Florida state, they each had five. Oregon was tied with Notre Dame with four Missouri and North Carolina each had four as well. So I do think it's significant to have, you know, this kind of, this kind of talent evaluated. And then, you know, you have Watts coming back. And we can probably look and, and maybe try to predict what Notre Dame players will end up in the top 100 next year. Ooh, you know, maybe we'll do that at a later date. Well, I will. I will continue to trumpet uh, Cam Hart. He probably should have been in the top 100. To be honest with you, did not get a lot of love for his performance, but boy, did he have a great year. Cam and, Hart and Benjamin Morrison both. Yeah, absolutely. So, because I was thinking about next year, and I was thinking, you know, Ben Morrison has an opportunity to, I guess, make this list, but. Uh, you know, Cam Hart should have been on it this year, frankly. And he had mm-hmm. a better season than Benjamin Morrison. But Ben Morrison, I think, is going to have a great season as a junior. So, yes, absolutely. He should be on the list next year, no doubt about it. And then Xavier Watts should make a repeat performance. And then, you know, we'll see. I think there's a lot of potential on the offensive side of the football. Uh, well, and the defensive side of the football. We just said Howard Cross. He's coming back too, right? So, I mean, yeah. there, there's a bunch of possibilities uh, for Notre Dame to to really make a imprint on this list it will uh i see some of the questions in the chat about women's basketball the loss yesterday sonia citron coming back so we'll touch on some of that in a little bit i'll save a little bit of that got some more uh got some more bull talk football talk here first we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Kirk Herbstreet says the solution to bowl opt-outs, Vince, is eliminating the bowl games. Here's a quote from Kirk Herbstreet. Nobody wants to play in them. Don't play the Bulls. Just have the 12 playoff teams. We'll get excited about those. And if you want to add maybe five, six Bulls outside of that, then do five or six. But we're getting to a point where it's ridiculous. We're putting six and six teams in bowl games nobody cares about. If the players don't want to play in them, hell with it. Don't have bowl games anymore. End quote. So do you buy or sell that from Kirk Herbstreet? Vince? That's a huge sell for me because he's referring to the one that nobody wants to play in it he's referring to the guys that are opting out there are plenty of guys that are that love playing in bowl games and i'm talking about the teams that aren't competing for a national championship that maybe might not even be in the top 25 or at the bottom of the top 25 or whatever but are you are you telling me that and i i don't know all the details right but like Miami of Ohio, for example, you're telling me those guys don't want to take a trip to a warm weather city, play in a bowl game, get some swag. Do they always get to go to like, warm weather cities, though, or do they get to go to Detroit and whatever that bowl well, is called now? <laughs> there's one that goes to Detroit, obviously, but I right. think they went to like South Carolina specifically. Okay. So uh, you know, I, I think so. It is hard to keep track of since there's it, like 40 you're not wrong. schools now, involved in bowls. Could they, could they uh, minimize maybe a little bit? Okay, I, I I would not have uh, an issue with that. Okay, but don't you? I don't. I think eliminating them all completely together is not the way. Yeah, to go, I mean, opinion. the dirty little I, secret of bowl games is the majority of them. You know, they're making they're making some money with, with their corporate sponsor. They're getting on sure. TV, but the schools that actually have to go to them, it's a it's a loss leader. It's like the coach gets to put on his resume that they went to a bowl, and especially for. Like you said, you know, like the like the Mac level schools and you know the 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 group of fives and stuff like that. It's it's obviously an accomplishment for the majority of those programs to get to right. go to bowl games. Miami right? of Ohio went to Orlando, by the Orlando. way. Orlando. They, okay. they went to the they Thank went you. to the Cure Bowl. Cure Bowl. Whatever okay. the heck that is. Like That's if you said Cure Bowl, you sure wouldn't have thought, oh yeah, Orlando. No, you'd actually been no. there. I, I saw the logo and it had palm trees. I was like, okay, well, it's someplace warm. And then I had to continue to look up to find out yeah. that it was in Orlando. But yeah, the bottom line is you're telling me that those kids don't want to take a trip to Orlando in no, December. No, I mean, you're right. Yeah, like, but again, like Orlando, Detroit, you know, and some of these other places, it's like, like <laughs> not everyone's getting to go to Orlando. You know, like New York City and the Pinstripe Bowl. That's right. at least unique right. because you're going to Yankee. I will say that I'm glad sure. that I got to experience Notre Dame playing in the pinstripe bowl sure. in Yankee stadium at least once. Don't want to make that a regular occurrence, obviously, sure. but there too. are worse environments you could be in than right. Yankee stadium for, for a bowl game. But, right. you know, look, these bowl games are first and foremost about TV content. You know, that's what it oh, is. Yeah. You know, it's ESPN can put a four hour block of programming on and they can cover the month of December with bowl games and between that and the, you know, the corporate and title sponsors that come with them, that revenue and what sports wagering has blown up into that's, you know, that's what is most of these, you know, what most of these bowl games are about right now. You've got the, you know, degenerate gamblers who they don't care who the opponent, you know, who the teams are, what bowl right. they're in. They just want something to bet on. And that's good for business And the way, you know, it's, it's all intertwined absolutely with, with the sport and the TV partner and this, you know, the different, you know, sports wagering apps and all that different kind of stuff. But the 500 part, I, I do agree with, you know, we, sure. I think we can all agree that the need for a 500 team and sometimes even sub 500 being yeah. in a bowl game is pretty lacking. You know, like, Agreed. do we really, do we really it needs need to be that? a reward? Should for be at a least a little season. bit higher bowl. Yes, I, that I agree right. with. So even if they up the standard to seven and dropped a few bowl games. I think the overall majority of people would be okay with that. Right. I really do. Because I do think 
there are too many bowls out there. I do yeah. believe that. And I mean, I, look, too many. When they do the aerial shots at some of these places, even in Orlando, I think it was the Reliquist Bowl when they did the overhead of that. Empty. It's like ninety percent of yeah, the upper part yeah. of the stadium. There's empty seats up. There, oh my gosh! You know? so, I, I mean, it's becoming. I will say, and I, and I guess I side with Herbie on this one. When he says nobody cares, he's talking about fans specifically, right? Right. It, the, the players care. The fans maybe not as much because. You know, that's why the Sun Bowl was so excited to have Notre Dame there because it was a guaranteed sellout. They're going to make more money and the whole thing. That's not normal. And we know that's not normal. The, the The Sun Bowl has not sold out since the last time Notre Dame was there 13 years ago. Yeah. So that that's why I get where he's coming from. They're not selling these games out. It's not like it's the playoffs for the NFL or, you know, something like that. They're not. And, they, and I don't even know. I'd have to see the But books, that's also right? why they're a loss even? leader for the, you know, because they make the schools that are going to these bowls buy their 10, 15, $20,000 sure. ticket allotment. And then they've got to turn around and sell them to their fan base. And that's why the, you know, the schools that are actually going are losing money. On yeah, that, it's like, so that was going to be the next thing. It's like, okay, are the, A, are the bowls making money? Right. B, are the schools making money? You know, where's that cutoff? Like, I don't know where the level of bowl has to be when the payout is bigger, obviously. And, you know, you're everybody's going to make money on the deal. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, where's that cutoff? Because if you can find that cutoff and it's a very kind of obvious place, then everything below that line probably needs to go away. I guarantee you Notre Dame lost money going to the Sun Bowl. Like, it's still good. They won their game, like, they lost money going to the Sun Bowl, though, because the payout from the Sun Bowl to Notre Dame is nowhere close to even, you know, like what a Citrus Bowl or obviously what oh, a New sure. Year's Six Bowl or any of those. Once you factor in your travel costs and getting your whole program, especially to a remote place like El Paso, Texas, oh, yeah. there was no good everything way to that get goes there. into that, yeah. Notre Dame's not making money going to the Sun Bowl, I guarantee right. you. That. And that's, and neither, and that's, neither is Oregon State. I'm I'm you know? I'm curious like as to is. what yeah what the what the what you know what the payout was for that. No, I'm I'm not sure, but again, it's nowhere in the ballpark of of a New Year's Six Bowl or you know any anything like that. So if you can find that, but it says well, it says four point five million. My guess is that's you cut that in half. Does that sound probably right? I don't know. Well, here we go. Well, that's playoff. That's not going to help us. <laughs> Notre Dame was not in the playoff. I don't know. Bowl game payouts. There we go. Anyway, we can continue on and, and you know, get to where we need to go. But the thing is, yeah, you're not making money. And I, I totally, totally understand where you're coming from. Yeah, I mean, from and obviously that. Herb Street's thing is about the opt-outs. You know, and I just go back to there's still, with, with all these conferences expanding at the waistline, now, there still has to be something at the uh, end of the season for the other 90% of the teams that are not making it. You know, the 12 teams into the playoff is what, 10%-ish or something like that. There's got to be something for for these other teams. You can't just say 12 are going to make it in and there's nothing for anybody else because I've seen comparisons to the NIT and Herb Street might have even made that comparison as well. But again, you know, like when you look at viewership, for these bowl games, which are still, even for the small bowl games, it's around, you know, they're averaging around at least a million people watching for the small bowl games. I'm not talking about, you know, like the playoff games and stuff like that, because there's obviously going to be more for that. But that's still more than an NIT basketball game. And it while it stinks that there are so many opt-outs, there are still 85 guys on a roster, you know. And like Notre Dame showed from just, just from their perspective that, there are still guys who want to play and you can still fill the team out there and you can still use it as a development opportunity for your program. So if guys want to opt out, it's just more opportunities for the guys who are still left on the roster. So I don't think that you, you know, ditch is again, perfect world. Guys aren't opting out left and right and ditching all these bowl games, but there are still other guys on your roster who are getting scholarships right. and who can go play and use those opportunities so i don't think so, you get rid of games just because some guys are opting out so i found this article and i didn't know this and maybe i just am out of the know but it talks about what each conference gets you know automatically every year okay for for bowl season 
And it says the Power Five conferences with contracts to send its champion to the Orange Rose and Sugar Bowl. Each conference receives $79 million to split amongst its people. Okay. The group of five conferences that do not automatically have a bid, they get a total of around 130, $103 million to split amongst themselves. That's all the rest, right? Notre Dame gets $3.89 million every single year, no matter what. Which I yeah. thought that was very interesting. Irish still, you can have that opinion if you want, but I've had these conversations with administrators at Notre Dame. If they made any money, it's maybe, you know, 10 or 20,000. You know, they they might have cleared, they might have, you know, cleared the bottom line by a little bit, but they're not making any substantial cash by playing in the Sun Bowl. I've had these conversations with administrators before. So like you're only really making money when you're going to a New Year's Six Bowl, which is obviously right. going to become the playoff. Now, that's that's the right. only place that you're making real money. You know, like you can clear some, you know, they they you know, a little, you know, the bar is obviously like a little bit higher in a Gator Bowl like they were in last year and those kind of places, but they're 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 barely they're barely clearing the bar if if you're going to the Sun Bowl. Right. A couple million bucks, like you have no idea what the operating expense is when you're sending 85 players plus the staff and then you're also sending wives and the, you know you're chartering down you're, there's there's like so much that goes into it there's so many costs that you can't even fathom right. by going to these and they're down there for bowls. a week yeah. they're down there for a week that's exactly and yeah and it's like th- that those hotels aren't free you know right. you're paying for those hotels and, and again food, it's not just and, the team right. yeah it's the staff and you're the feeding them like, and... like did you hear Marcus Freeman when he was talking about how many times they feed these guys in a day <laughs> that's no lie like the women's basketball team eats a minimum of four times a day when they're on the road that's the women's basketball team let alone you know? football yeah plus the hotels that you're staying in it's like yeah yes so, really really Irish deal 2 million for, because again you're talking about a week down there for a football team. I, I, I'm not going to go round and round on this. They're not making any money. I guarantee it. You're just going to have to well, take my word. They're making $4 million automatically and then an additional $2.5 million to go to the Sun Bowl. So that's $6.5 million. So they're making some money. That's all I'm saying. Again, the expense... To go to a bowl like that itself versus what the, the they the would make more payout is they would make way more money by going to a playoff game. Obviously, the payout six million dollars plus the automatic four. No, that's ten. You're but 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 you're saying that's what they're automatically getting for from the ACC, right? Not the ACC. They get it from the the bowl deal. It has nothing to do with the ACC. They automatically get according to this article. They automatically get $3.89 million from the bowl system. Okay. So, and I don't know if they get a piece I'm of talking about just payout from the bowl. Right. That's $2.5 million is what they got. Right. And there, so there's, yes, right. there's obviously going to be other revenue right. that's coming in. Right. Okay. So, my wife looked at me with a straight face this weekend and asked me if I actually wanted the Cowboys to make it to the playoffs. Now bear with me here for a second, because this is not going to be about the Cowboys. This is, this is right. A general overall. So I asked her if she was serious and she said, yes. And now we've been married for 30 years. And I told her it might be the dumbest thing that she's ever said to me. Do I actually want my team to make it to the playoffs? She said, well, you, you get your expectations up and then they lose every year. So wouldn't it be better if they just weren't in the playoffs? And so, again, I feel like this is a question that everyone can relate to. It, it, it relates to college. It relates to pro. Would you rather your team make it to the playoffs and lose than not make it to the playoffs is my question to you. It, my answer varies, and here's why. Because normally I would say I want them to make the playoffs and lose as opposed to not make the playoffs at all, right? But this year specifically, when the Cubs were were easily into the playoffs with about a month to go, and then they just hit the schneid, right? And it's like, you know what? I'm okay with them not making the playoffs, 
because they were going to get beat anyway. And now I don't have to invest emotionally in that situation. So like this year, maybe I was just like uh, making like excuses for myself because they went on the Schneid and didn't make the playoff at the end of the day. Uh-huh. But I knew they weren't going to advance in the playoffs. Like normally when you get into the playoffs, you're like, hey man, it's a new season. You got so like everybody's got a You could shot. handle it. You weren't brokenhearted because I they wasn't. didn't make it in. I really wasn't. Like I, because right. I knew the way the Cubs were constructed, they weren't advancing. Like there was no way they were advancing. They didn't have like that one-two punch on the mound. They didn't have somebody that was on fire at the plate. Like it just wasn't going to happen. So like I was okay with that. But every other scenario, and so let's let's bring it back to college football. I would want them to make the playoff because if you're in the playoff, you got a shot. That's right. So, yeah. That's exactly right. And I don't care how painful it might be when they actually go out. Sometimes it's more painful than the others. Like if, you're, if your team goes in, right. which has happened before with the Cowboys, you know, as, as an example, they've gone in as the number one seed and they were bounced early by the Giants. And that completely stunk. And in that case, you know, it's... It's like I wasted a whole season on this. And I think, but you know, like this question has come up in the past, like when Notre Dame has been thumped in the two times they've made the college football playoff. And we've had fans say, you know, like we're better off not going to the playoff than than getting embarrassed and losing these lopsided games. But I will tell you, you know, just, just what you said, every time sign me up, take those beatings year in and year out because you have, you know, Knowing what the result is going to be obviously changes your perspective. Once oh, you sure. know what the answer is, it changes your perspective. But going in, you don't know what it's going to be. You still do have hope. I mean, isn't that why you invest every Saturday or Sunday? Or you know, yep. that's that that's why you're investing all that time and emotion in it because you want to get to that holy grail ultimately, mm-hmm. and you can't reach that if your team is not in the playoffs. So, absolutely. You know, like always, they might stink it up and and bow out. And a week from now, my answer <laughs> might be completely different. But right as of today, I am telling you, just get yeah. in, baby. And you've got a shot. Just like Steele said about his Irish Steel 63 said about his Pittsburgh Steelers. And no, I don't begrudge you, even though I was pulling for the Ravens to beat him the other night. But, you know, you beat a team with a backup quarterback, you know, and just like Brent said, the Rams, you know. The Rams starters beat the 49ers, you know, or the, yeah, the Rams starters beat the 49ers backups. Okay. But like from my perspective, and, and again, I might be singing a different tune next week when, when the Cowboys play the Packers, but I was a lot more excited about seeing the Rams having to go to uh, Detroit than I was the potential of them. Like that's the team that I've been dreading. Is the Rams? You know, like, yeah, the Rams, they've, they've gotten better and better. All year yeah. long, and I did yeah. not want to see them, and now they're going to Detroit. So that's an interesting matchup. But it's bottom line, get to the playoffs. I will never, never say that I don't want my team to make the playoffs. I really hope that your Cowboys can win. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a Cowboys fan. There's no doubt about that this well, weekend. One day. <laughs> hey, I'm not anti-Cowboys, but I'm definitely pro-Cowboys when it comes to them playing the Packers. Playing the Packers. That, that's for sure. That's right. Man, that's right. The, the love that love was getting on Saturday or Sunday afternoon was barf my friends. I didn't get to see any of that, oh, fortunately. Bleh. It's horrible. Yeah. Yep. All right, let's shift it to college. Interesting fact that I saw this the other funny. day. Two years ago, Washington paid $675,000 to play an FCS opponent, Montana, and they lost to Montana. Well, this weekend, Montana finished as the FCS runner-up, losing to South Dakota State in the FCS National Championship game. Tonight, Washington plays in the FBS championship game, of course, against Michigan. So just interesting little turn over mm-hmm. the last couple of years where those it's programs have come from. It's amazing what recruiting in the portal can do for you. That's right. <laughs> and a new head coach, I guess. And a new too, head coach, right? yes. And good coaching. Absolutely. That's right. Okay, I just thought I'd throw that, that little tidbit out there. Scale of 1 to 10, 
What is your confidence that tonight will be the last time Jim Harbaugh coaches Michigan? I still think it's pretty high. I mean, I don't have like any inside knowledge or or anything like that, but I I just I still feel like I'm at like an eight here. I I don't look. Jim Harbaugh is not an idiot. That that okay? that this is the last game. You're at an eight. Yes. That this is the okay. Yes. Just want to want to make Absolutely. sure we're on the same page. Okay. I I just feel like he's not stupid. He knows that there's stuff coming down the track here as far as the NCAA. Now it's going to take a minute. I think we can all agree on that, but I just feel like there's stuff coming. And if he sticks around, it's going to make things even more difficult for him than they are right now. Like this Connor Stallions thing is not over the, you know, the recruiting violation stuff. That's not over. Like there there's, I mean, there was FBI involved with whatever's going on up there. Let's so like the Michigan dropped their whole, remember that they had their lawsuit and all that stuff. Yeah. And once they saw, like what the NCAA had yes. on them, they dropped that suit pretty quickly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're like, "Oh no, we'll uh, we'll we'll definitely take that as a quick yeah. punishment here." And like, we haven't even heard what all yeah. of that is. It, so there's far. stuff coming down the pipe, okay? And and that's again, you say what you want to about Jim Harbaugh, but he's not an idiot. And so this is the best opportunity for him to jump ship to the NFL. And I believe I heard that he hired a new agent who is an NFL agent, an NFL agent. Yeah. Like that, I don't think that was a big surprise. Right. And so right now I think the chargers job looks pretty appealing to him. It sounds like the Patriots job might sound pretty appealing. If that ends up opening up the so, Raiders, the Raiders, the Raiders are, you know, yeah. So Raiders are still open, you know, even though they I, had a, you know, an interim and Antonio Pierce and all that stuff, but I think eight yeah. might be low, but I'm going to go with an eight. Yeah, I'm going with a nine even. But yeah. like this just feels like a Pete Carroll situation yeah. right? because of all the stuff that you just said. It's like knowing knowing when the time to get, you know, and he's he's obviously dabbled there the last couple of years. He's oh, had yeah. these talks. I think if he had his way, he well, would have been the Vikings coach a couple of years ago. And there's know? a reason that he's got this extension on the table, and the extension says you can't you have to promise not to go to the NFL if he signs it, and he right. hasn't signed it yet. He hasn't signed it. What does that tell you? You know, right? I just that's I an extension know. that's been widely reported that hasn't been signed yet, right? Yeah, like, it's out there. We know about that. Correct. A lot of I people just... know about that one, right? <laughs> I know where you're going with this. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But yeah, it just it just feels like like especially if, if he's able to win this. I mean, this is a guy who's been in the Super Bowl. Before he has coached in the Super Bowl before he's yeah. got a really good track record yep. in the NFL. And, you know, he's put all this into it, got his alma mater back to where they are right now. Yeah. And especially I think if if they could win this tonight, then it just sets him up, you know, to kind of ride off into the sunset and make his exit back to the NFL. Sharon Moore, you know, maybe ends up being the head coach sure. up there after he showed what he could do, you know, in one of Harbaugh's two suspensions this year. So it just, I I, I just, I don't feel like, I, I feel like everything seems to be saying bye-bye Jim Harbaugh after tonight. I agree. I, I think it's very akin to the uh, the Pete situation Pete out in Southern, in, yeah. in Southern Cal. I, I really do. Like, he's not an idiot either. And he saw the writing on the wall mm -hmm. and it came hard and it took a long time for USC to recover basically from that. Now there was some sketchy coaching hires and some things like that, but those coaches that came directly after him, they were fighting an uphill battle because of the sanctions, yeah. you know, and nobody thought anything worse of Pete Carroll when he went up to Seattle and had the Legion of doom and everything else go on, on up there. The same thing's going to happen for Jim Harbaugh. Ira still wants to know, would he be a bad character for cutting and running rather than facing the music by staying? Is, is Pete Carroll a bad character? Do we think that? I, yeah, I mean, yeah. I never liked Pete Carroll, but like that's because I root for Notre Dame and right. USC's. All of Pete Carroll's or most I mean, of Pete Carroll's players have loved Pete Carroll. And, yeah, yeah. you know, there was. Look at what he's done in his time in Seattle. It has been very successful. This has been one yeah. of the, this is one of the few years like that he's had a bad team. Sure. Since he's been back 
in the NFL. And that's been a long time now. Right. About that. So you can't really I mean, separate Pete Carroll and Jim Harbaugh, in my opinion. And so if you think Pete Carroll's a good guy, then I guess you got to think that I mean, Jim Harbaugh is. If Michigan's going to to face some kind of consequences, you know, whether it's vacation of wins or some kind of, you know, you know, reduction in scholarship or whatever it ends up being, you know, if Michigan ends up paying some price, they're going to pay it with or without Jim Harbaugh. So right. the way the system is set up. Yeah. Why, why would he stick around? I, I, I mean, if I was in his shoes, I would have, I would bail too. I would. Yeah. I mean, I said at the time, I, I think that if the NCAA, like they very rarely, they very rarely like hand out financial, mm-hmm. you know, like right, the fine head coaches and things like that. This is a coaching matter. It's not a recruiting Absolutely. matter. You know, like you're not cheating in the recruiting circles. This is like, you know, they can try to deny you know, whether or not he knew anything about it and all that kind of stuff. But ultimately, oh. it falls on the head coach. You know, yes. hand out, hand out a, a hefty fine and just be done with it. I right. Think. This is 100% on the coach. It's yeah. 100% on the coach. Now, the program, the Michigan program allowed it to happen. Whatever you want, like the athletic department allowed it to happen. I, I would have a, it would be a much easier pill to swallow for me to say that the athletic department didn't know about the stuff that was going on, right? But- it's still under their purview. There's Somebody no was way. reimbursing Connor Stallion. 100%. There's no chance that Jim Harbaugh was clueless and just had no idea where all of Connor Stallion's information was coming from. There's Connor no Stallions way. was shelling out literally thousands of dollars yes. to pull that whole thing off. He was Correct. not eating that on his own. No whether way. it was, you know, whether it was a back channel you know, an alum someplace or, you know, like Uncle Petey or whoever that guy was, you know, that they were right. trying to pull out of. There's Somebody no was paying Connors. And like, I'm sure you saw the picture of Connor Stallions with the shaved head and shaved off the goatee from the Rose Bowl last week. You know, it's like. Yeah, I sure did. I look, thought that was hilarious. The money well. may have been coming from a booster and that's okay. I get that. But again, Jim Harbaugh is not an idiot. He has to know the information was coming from somewhere. Maybe he wasn't asking specific questions, you know, to try to cover for himself. But he knew darn well Connor Stallions wasn't breaking their code signs in the first quarter. Like, they're, you know what I mean? He's not an idiot savant. Yeah. You know, he was getting that information. He had it early on in every game, and Jim Harbaugh was using it. And so... He knew darn well something was going on. Whether he turned a blind eye or not, that's a different conversation. I'm not saying that Michigan itself funded it, but it sure wasn't Connor Stallions. So, yeah. This is an interesting one from Irish Gordian. Now, why is the entire Notre Dame fan base rooting for Michigan tonight? I don't uh, get it. I didn't not. know that anyone was rooting for from Notre Dame was rooting for Michigan. This is they the are not. I've heard because this. I'm definitely not, and I would. <laughs> I'm part of the Notre Dame fan base. So yeah, no chance. No yeah. chance. Yeah. I think others would beg to differ. <laughs> <That's> just... <laughs> no way. There's no way. Not happening. Yeah. No. I had not seen that. Myself. I am a huge Washington fan tonight. And then you add on to the fact that a former player of mine is a coach over at, at uh, Washington just adds to the fun for me. So not just mine, but he he went to a school we coached at, and Jesse's good friends with, and the whole deal, right? So he and Jesse were were co captains their yeah. senior year. Together. So how can how can we not root for Washington just on that fact alone? Yeah, that we know somebody on the staff, right? So yeah, known him for since he was fourteen years old. Austin Austin Huff had a nice article about Jack in the in the Tribune. Over the weekend, interviewed the wrong guy for it, but uh, <laughs> still a good article. Could have gone to the freshman coach, you know, <laughs> the guy got all kinds started. of juicy stuff from the freshman coach. <laughs> so Michigan's favored by two and a half. Everyone on the IB staff picked Washington. So shocker. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, I am worried about that because this is one of the few times that like I'm making a pick based on what I want to happen. I know. As opposed to, you know, 
looking at the but I still think like but when still, you add it all up, yes. there's enough there. Michael Penix is a much better quarterback Correct. than Milrow. The offensive line that Washington has is the Joe Moore Award winning line. It's better than Alabama's offensive line. The skill talent, starting with Adunze, is better than what Alabama had. The the defense, I think, you know, might not be quite at the level of Alabama, but at the at the same time, I don't think it's that far a step off. And so when I stack everything up, I just think that Washington's got a much better chance to score a few more points yep. than what Alabama scored last week, and and it at least make it difficult for Michigan to score points. That's what it comes down to for me is offense, and we've talked about it a million times. You've got to have an offense to win in this championship. I think Washington's offense is a heck of a lot better than Michigan's offense. Their quarterback is better. I think they've got better skill guys. You know, the only thing that's better, in my opinion, is maybe, you know, Blake Corum. He's a really good running back. So maybe that's the one box that gets checked for Michigan if we're, ta- if we're comparing offenses. Uh, I know Michigan's defense is good, but I think Washington's defense is good enough to stop Michigan's offense. And I think. I, I think I said this on the show, the first team to 30 is going to win this game, and I don't think Michigan gets to 30. So that's why I went the way I went. I think I think Washington does get in the 30s, and I don't think Michigan does. And so that, that's where I'm at. Derek's going a little bit higher scoring than me. He's got 45-28 yeah. Washington. I've got them both in the 20s myself. A little bit lower scoring. Okay. But that's... I, what, what did I say? I don't know. Did you build a parlay? Did you build a three-leg parlay? Uh, I built a multi-leg parlay, actually. An actual legitimate well, one. Well, three legs is multi-leg. Well, you're right. So. You're, you're absolutely right. It, it, <laughs> you are 100% correct. It is more than uh, – it is multi. Yes, by uh, definition. Let me see if I can find it here. But I absolutely did because I had <laughs> I made a bet on the Michigan game and lost. And so I had, a, I had one of those bets where it gives you – money back if you lose like one of those guarantee type things but you could only use that money towards tonight's game okay so i was like forced to bet on it basically gotcha. right or i lose the bet so here's my here's my parlay right here okay washington on the money line okay michael Penix, 250 yards or more okay passing michael Penix, one and a half touchdowns passing over uh, Adunze 80 plus yards, okay, receiving Polk 50 plus yards receiving. And this is a deep, how many legs do you have in this? And Adunze in the end zone, so one, two, three, four, five, six. What's six the payout? Legs. Uh, 10 for 25 or 75, excuse me, 10 to win 75. Wow, six legs, and all you're gonna win is 75 bucks if you hit that thing. Yeah, you should win at least like 250 off that. That's a lot that's <laughs> got to happen. It's plus 750 is okay. the uh, is the is the odds. All right, so, well, yeah. I, I, I only built mine three legs. Okay, and mine's 10 to win 60 bucks. So I think mine was like plus 600, basically. Yeah, okay, that sounds right. So I got Michael Penix, 300-plus passing yards. Okay. I've got Blake Corum, anytime touchdown score. And I've got the game to go under 55 and a half. Like I said, I think I feel like this is, okay. uh, unless Michigan's offense just goes nuts out there, I've got Washington winning 27 to 24. So I've only got 51 total points. Okay. Okay. So let's this- the uh, the one I put together was one that was like so. Uh, what DraftKings does is they they have a couple like that are set up for you. You know what I mean? Right. It's like like the pre- that looks like yes. And I saw a, some of those, but there yeah. was always like there's always that there's one always like one part that you're like, that you're like eh, yeah, really exactly that one. So. I agree with you, but this one, and I think the reason it's only plus seven fifty is because these numbers are kind of low. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think they're very attainable, and so. Uh, that, I was like, you know what? That looks like a good one. I got ten bucks to spend here. I'm gonna, I'm going with this one. It was all pro Washington. Let's let's have some fun. Yeah. Steel likes all but my under, basically. So, well, he likes here. This is what he said for me. I don't know. I, it's gonna be close. I mean, you know, you get yeah. a flurry of points in the first quarter, and that one's probably out the door. 
But he said, yes, 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 maybe, maybe likely. <laughs> so there on my six. So there you go. I just I don't feel like I I still think Washington's or uh Michigan's defense is good enough that Washington shouldn't just go nuts tonight. I you know, like I said, agreed. I, I don't think they're gonna go points, nuts. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I don't think they're gonna go nuts, but I do think they have a good chance to maybe spread the ball around. I think Penix is gonna make some plays. Yeah. I do. Straight up, straight up picks. I the only the only New Year's six playoff game that I missed was um Alabama Michigan last week and it took overtime yeah. to do it. If, if Alabama had just hung on, I would have uh I would have won I you know I would have been feeling really good if I had bet a parlay. I know, right? Seriously. Just a bunch of money line parlays. Otherwise, there's always one game that wrecks it. Always. So I'm kind of glad that I didn't. Every time. <laughs> you know, that's right. Every single time. It's the way it All goes, right, man. so you alluded to those Packers a little bit ago. And after the end of the season and the Bears losing to Green Bay yesterday, most of the debate now is on whether or not to stick with Justin Fields. Right. Draft quarterback at number one. You're on record. You like them sticking with Fields, trading down, building the roster around him. At least that's what you said a couple of weeks ago. I don't know <laughs> if you still are on that. It's it's like you don't want to have egg on your face, and then Caleb <laughs> Williams is like a generational quarterback, right? I know. And it's a definite possibility, okay? Yep. I just wish the generational quarterback didn't go to USC and wasn't just a jerk. <laughs> um, there is that. I mean, if he goes out and wins Super Bowls for the Bears, obviously I might change my tune. But I do feel like the way to go, because if you bring in Caleb Williams at the number one pick, okay? You better have a real good plan about how you're going to rebuild this offensive line because Caleb Williams is going to be running for his life, and it doesn't matter how good of a quarterback he is if the offensive line is as bad as it is. Um, and they've got other things that they need to address as well. It's not just a quarterback issue. You know what I mean? So I feel like this is a uh, you know the sum of the parts kind of a situation. And so I do at the moment – think they should stick with Justin Fields and build around him. Okay. I do. Well, here's my question today. All right. Can they keep both Justin Fields and Matt Eberflus? They've already, as, a, as of right now, as we speak, Eberflus seems to be safe. And they have said, yep. you know, the report's out that they're keeping. Can they keep both of them? If they're keeping Justin Fields, can they also keep Eberflus is the head coach. They can. They can. Should they? Should they? I'm not upset with what Eberflus has done. I'm not. Uh, I think he's doing the best that he can with the pieces that he has in place. Now, if they go out there and they do what I think they should do in the draft and in free agency, because they have a ton of money to spend too, Sean. They have a ton of money. So if they can go be active in free agency – have a good draft. They have a ton of money. That some of that money is going to go away if they decide to keep Fields because he's going to have to be. This is true. A franchise quarterbacks. They're going to have money. to franchise them. They're going to have to do obviously something, and the franchise tag is obviously more than he's making now. Uh, but they're still going to have money to spend, and they're still going to have plenty of draft capital to use in this draft. And like Ira Steele said, Joe Alt would look pretty good in a Bears uniform. Sean, I'm just saying. I mean, personally, he'd look better in silver and blue, but he's not going to last. <laughs> he's not going to be long. around for a and playoff I mean, team. They do Sorry. have a pick at number nine, even without oh. trading down. They've got one and they've Where, got nine. So where's there's a the, good chance. Is that nine? Okay. So the Bears pick is nine. Yeah. Well, so, yeah. I mean, they've got the number set, one overall yeah. and their second pick is at number nine. Is it nine? Okay. So, I wasn't sure where that one landed. Yeah. You might still be able to get Joe Alt at nine. Uh, I just don't know that I would – I don't know if I would want to take that chance. You know what I mean? But you could get him at nine. He may still be there at nine. Because I think there's some uh, – I'd have to talk to Ryan about this, but I think there's some debate about who the number one tackle is. And so if he's considered number two on somebody's board, he could still be around at nine. That, there's him and sure. another guy. I can't think of his name Yeah, I right can't now. think of his name it's either. escaping me right now, but – um, someone was just saying that there's multiple, Mike was saying multiple reports that Getsy is gone. I just was looking. I don't see like it Getsy's status. The offensive coordinator is in question, but it doesn't look like he's necessarily gone 
as of right now. And that's to me, if you're going to keep Eberflus, I do think you've got to get rid of Luke Getze, the offensive coordinator, because, you know, here's what I know. Justin Fields has started for the last three years now, and he hasn't been to the playoffs. But Jordan Love has been a starter for one year, and guess who's in the playoffs right now? The team that Chicago loves to hate, right? With, this with, is true. With Jordan Love, who had a franchise quarterback-type season. He threw for over 4,100 yards and 32 touchdowns. What did Justin Fields do? Half as many touchdowns, nine interceptions, a much worse quarterback rating, You know, lower completion percentage. Now, he ran for a little bit more, but the rushing yards still well down from the 1,100 yards that he had last year it's just like his reads are slow he still takes too many sacks for a guy who's as mobile as he is so it's like if you're keeping both Eberflus and Fields around I think you've got to find an offensive coordinator who can figure out exactly how to get the most out of Justin Fields because to me has he improved in the three years he's been there yes but does he look like a franchise quarterback to me especially when you compare him to the other two you know even three quarterbacks in the division, even though Cousins is probably gone in Minnesota, like he's the fourth best quarterback in the division right now. So do you need more talent? Yeah, but it's not like, you know, Jordan Loves has Jaden Reed and Romeo Dobbs. It's not like he's, you know, like DJ Moore is better than either one of them, but there is a lot that they've got to figure out. They do need a better offensive line. There's a lot that they still need, but I just, I, you know, again, like I, Eber Flus has won 10 games in his two years. They were still, you know, like the Bears roster still seemed invested in their head coach these last few weeks, even, you know, when the results, you know, kind of seemed a little bit obvious. So, again, I personally wouldn't probably keep both of them around, but I, I think if you are going to keep both of them around, you've got to jettison the offensive coordinator and, and go find out. Go find someone who can at least give you, you know, a better chance to to get a better investment out of Justin Fields if you're going to build the roster. You know, there there are good things there. Like I saw it when they played the Cowboys last year. I was like, man, this like an, another year Justin Fields it should look really good, but it just hasn't. Yeah, it's been too incremental. It it it, right. it hasn't taken off the way you would want from a former number one pick. No, I get it. I totally get it. And and DJ Moore had a great season. He had career highs and receptions and yards and everything else. So I mean, they're getting him the football. Uh, I I just think that the O line is really holding them back right now from a run game standpoint and from a pass protection standpoint. They they need to get better on the O line and they need an elite pass rusher too. So obviously, <laughs> who wouldn't want an elite pass rusher on their team? Montez Sweat. You know, yeah, no, he's good. No, he's pretty good. Right. They did a good job of acquiring him. Yeah. I will say that they did a good job of, of acquiring him. So uh, it's going to be interesting the next few weeks slash months, really, because you're going to get into the draft and obviously April. But uh, yes. it's going to be we interesting. Have many months for draft talk coming up. That's right. Yes, we do. We got to get through the playoffs first, and that's a whole you know month's worth of fun. So. Mark said, thoughts on Florida State and Georgia Tech playing week zero in Ireland. Do you see this international game, game becoming more common? I will be curious to see like what happens. I mean, you can still, even with the playoff, if they move the season up a little, like will they do away with, with week zero stuff? Or, you know, like I'll be curious to see kind of what they do with, with some of that kind of stuff. But as of right now, I mean, it, it seems like why wouldn't you, whether it's Ireland or – even you know maybe London or something right like that. I, I would think that that you see some more of that kind of stuff. Yes, the international on. game becoming more common, absolutely. And I think you're going to see more than one a year uh, when it's all said and done. Too, I don't think it's just going to be one team or one game. Excuse me, going international. I think it's going to be multiple moving forward because especially at the college level, because you can couple that with educational stuff. And I mean, it's super easy to do whether they're actually doing that stuff or not. You can easily couple the education piece with the football piece very, very easily. Yes. So John says the Notre Dame women's basketball team is in real trouble. There were some other comments earlier. He said uh, injuries and low production from the bigs, except for Maddie. I mean, like one, the good news is Sonia Citron came back yeah. <laughs> yesterday after all, almost three months out. The bad news was obviously – 
It's like you get one back, and, and now Maddie Westfeld's one. got a concussion. Yeah, so yeah they do with that, that hurt. hurt. And them not having her, I think, was the biggest hurt in that game. No, it really was because yeah. she is such a big part of the flow of yes. the offense. Her versatility. She knows the offense. She's been there for four years, and so to not have her and to try to sort of piece things together, I was a little bit surprised with with you know the overall production of the bigs yesterday. But again, you didn't have Westbelt to kind of be part of that rotation yeah. and keep the flow going. And I think that that was that was the biggest thing. I think if you have Westbelt, they win that game yeah. yesterday. Point blank. I absolutely you know? agree. And, and it, you know. They got to get healthy. I mean, that's for sure. They need to get healthy. And getting Sonya back is huge. There's no doubt about that. But, yep. yeah, Maddie Westbell being out. You got to think she's worth at least three points. And that's what they lost by, right? So I mean, she averages <laughs> almost 15 a game. Yeah. So, so I mean, and, and she'd been averaging a double-double for that right. matter, really, for right. like the last five or six games or something. Like so, that. I mean, just her presence alone is worth three points. You know what I mean? And so – I think that is what obviously hurt them in the long run. You would like to think that you can pick up for, you know, players going down, but she's one of your best players, yeah. you know, that's, that's tough to do. Look, and it's not, it's not going to get easier either. Cause like NC state was undefeated until yesterday. They lost in a buzzer beater to Virginia tech. The ACC is going to be really tough, but I do think once they're back to a hundred percent and, you know, like for, for what they've got, Right now, 100% is going to be getting Westbelt back. That's going yes. to be the team right. the rest of the way. Because Correct. it's going on a year now since Olivia Miles' injury. And I'm like, I'm not like, there's no inside information that I necessarily have there. But, you know, just looking at where she is, if she hasn't played by now, because she does get out there and like, not like full practice, but she shoots and does some other stuff. It's like, She's gone almost a full year at yeah. this point. I can't see her wanting to try to come back and, you know, just sort of like push this last, you know, couple months of the season at this point. So that's a shame because, I mean, you want to talk about a shot of adrenaline that she could give the team if she was actually 100%. I mean, if she's right. not, then obviously there's no point in burning a year, a redshirt year. I mean, right. this, Look, this and, essentially and, would be her injury redshirt year. But I don't, yeah, and I don't fault her for not wanting to try to push it, you know, sure. any sooner than what she has because it's an ACE, well, like it's a knee injury, right? right. And she had right. surgery on that knee. And again, February was when it happened. So to try to come back like by even October when practice started and into November, that just it's a little bit too soon. And again, now you're midway through the season. So I just right. I don't think that it's I don't think that it was worth it for her to try to push it, push it back if she didn't feel a hundred percent comfortable, you know, right. being able to do that. So it I makes don't sense. blame her at all. I don't blame no, her I don't either. I don't either. Yep. But I, I I think they'll be okay. I don't think there's any reason to hit the panic button. I think once sure. they get, like I said, to full strength with with what they've got, I think they'll be all right. But just bad timing that Maddie took a shot to the head against Pittsburgh last week and, you know, wasn't able to, to come back when Citron came back yesterday. Right. Because yeah. Sony looked good. And I, you know, like listened to the post-game press conference. She said she had some cramping in her calves late in the game, which you can see because, you know, again, like she hasn't had to push it full strength, sure. you know, in a, in a real game for almost two months. So I don't know. She looked good. Um, she, did. she looked smoother than I kind of anticipated. Yeah, I did. I, yeah. I thought so as well. Just kind of watching her shoot, you know, a little bit, you know, the last, you know, like last week, you know, like it's hard to tell when they're not going a hundred percent, what exactly it's sure. going to look like when they're wearing one of those knee braces, sure. <laughs> like she's wearing right now. No, so, totally. But again, I think they'll be okay. It's just a matter of getting them all back and, and getting into a little bit of a, a group, but it's not, it's not going to be easy by any means, but they're going to have NC State, which was ranked third, you know, before that loss to Virginia Tech. They've got NC State, Virginia Tech, and Louisville all still coming in here to Notre Dame this season. So they've got some big home games that they're going to get to play, you know, against some of those ranked teams. So some big opportunities coming up. Totally. All right. 
Well, that's going to do it for tonight. National championship game, of course. Man, it's going to be starting here. Yeah, I man. What's what's your bet? Do they start before a quarter till? Do they actually oh. kick it off before seven forty-five? Usually, there's like eleven minutes or so. I'm going to say they least. kick off before forty-five, but I'm not holding my breath. I'm going to say seven forty-five. I'm just that's, that's my I'm bet. Being positive, I think. <laughs> I don't know. All right, so we'll uh, we'll dig into some of that tomorrow and some other topics, of course, as well. And again, the big news. Today, Evan Long, or not Evan Long, Ethan Long, committing to uh, to Notre Dame, the safety out of Connecticut. We started the show with that, so Marcus Freeman and the crew continue to recruit at uh, an elite level, and and uh, we'll have more of that on the site at Irish Breakdown. Subscribe, rate, review, hit the like button before you leave, and we will talk to you tomorrow on Ivy Nation Sports Talk. Go Huskies! <laughs>